Dave's looked about half a second behind. Okay, let's do it again. That was good. All right, love that for us. Love that for us. Dave? What are we feeling, big guy? Big guy. Oh, man. Just glad to be back. You know, good to be back on the uh, on the ones and twos with, with the fellas here. I got to be honest, I, I, I'm coming back. I'm coming off the injured list here. I was down for a few days. Caught a little stomach bug. Wanted to uh, really, really was thought I was going to meet God. Um, but, you know, here I am alive and well. It was, uh, it was a tough four days after Christmas, though. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Today is a rough day for the haters as Dave has bounced back. Yeah, the really a lot of people were, you know, pre- celebrating my downfall. Um, Praying on it. And once again, I I uh, persevered. Um, so everybody out there who, again, was praying on my downfall, um, you lose, as always. <laughs> so Dave's, here I am. Dave's deemed himself a hero for doing things like going to work on a Friday and uh, checking yeah. his email. Uh, yeah, I did send an email today on a Sunday. Kind of a big, kind of a big thing for me. Um, I was praying on George's downfall, mm. and I gotta say, I turned. I don't want to be like LeBron here, and we could bring this guy on who could confirm this. But I said the most college football thing that can happen in this game is for CJ Stroud to easily drive them down into field goal range, and then for the field goal kicker to miss it. And that's exactly what happened. I don't blame that field goal kicker as much as I blame Ryan Day for getting to a 50 yard field goal. And then just being like, okay, we're good. And we're just going to stop now. Um, I know that's not really what you're talking about, but I'm just really, I'm really upset that Georgia is going to the national championship again when they were losing by 14 going into the fourth quarter. It was a natural segue. And yes, uh, when I was a child, as I think I have bemoaned on this very podcast, at least once we had a nice little lead in the series and that has, yeah, gone away, of course, and also them probably winning back-to-back titles. I, like I, when I was a kid, oh, I yeah. sort of viewed us in equal footing with Georgia, and no more. No. Yeah. Let me let me ask you guys: given the circumstances and what was at stake, is that the worst field goal in the history of college football? I mean, it. I don't want to. I don't want to harp on the guy, but it didn't. It was not close from mm. the from, literally from the minute his foot touched the ball, <clears throat> it was gone. Yeah, and I saw somebody um, on Twitter said to me today. There was, I mean, I really didn't notice it live because in my reaction, <clears throat> immediately was just holy shit, and I was just like taken aback. It was so bad, so I didn't really pay attention to what happened afterward. But he said that the kicker had like consoled the holder mm-hmm. more so than the way around, and I didn't really notice that. So I wonder if oh, it was really? like an issue with the hold. But yeah, I think in context, yeah, it's got to be one of the worst field goals ever. I mean, of everything Gosh. that was at stake. And yeah, it's it sucks. That's, you know, I said something in a tweet about you know they played about as well as they possibly could, like you know against Georgia, but then just choked away the field goal attempt. Not placing blame on the kicker per se, but just they choked away the attempt. You know, and the guy replies to me and he's like, you know, it's a forty-eight yard attempt. You know, if you think that's a choke, you don't know nothing about ball. I'm just like, buddy, buddy, watch that back and just tell me we can reassess how we want to go forward with this conversation. They absolutely choked that field goal attempt. However, whoever you want to pin it on, yeah. Like, was god awful well you got to put that on, i think you got to put that on the coaching staff i mean i get that the kicker is the kicker but like you're going to put him in, in that situation oh it definitely i think i think they said his i think they said his career long was a 52 yarder so yeah, it was, was like right almost his, right there yeah two yards short of his 50, of his career long to go to the national championship i just you got to you got to get some more you know in atlanta against georgia yeah I mean, yeah, yeah like come on dude yeah it's rough i mean but, in 
they were so aggressive. Like, dude, they had Kirby and Hale like for yeah. 59 minutes of that game. Like it was insane how much he just sat that last drive. It was crazy. And, and I mean, Kirby they had their weapons go out and whatnot, but like still, man, like you got to keep doing what you were doing. When he took off yeah. and scrambled for that, that run that, you know, CJ Stroud never runs. And when he got that, that scramble, I was like, Oh yeah, that's it. Like they're going to just, you know, get a couple, couple little plays here, get about another first down. It's going to be a wrap. And now they, they sat on it and squandered yeah. it away. I did find it funny though. Like, like you said, CJ Stroud never runs, but like he, he, pro- it felt like he ran a bunch last night. And oh, it had to be the most rushing yards he's ever had. Probably and every time, every time he would take off running, Chris Felder, he doesn't do this often. I'm like, dude, he's doing, he's been doing this all yeah. night. Like, yeah, you gotta, I realized that's a talking point, point when he does it the first two times. Also, I going back to something you said earlier, I love this. This phase of the internet that we're in, where like any anything that anyone says about football, someone's like, "You don't know ball. You don't, you don't know. know ball. You don't know." Literally, you can say anything. You can be yeah, like Nick, Saban, what Nick you... Saban's best head coach of all time. You don't know. You don't know that. That is such a perfect uh, encapsulation of social media in general, which is just yeah. disagreeing and not having like any no necessary rebuttal. reason. Yeah, or rebuttal. Just be like, "Well, you're wrong." <laughs> Luckily for us, nobody's ever disagreed with anything we said on this show. So ever. yeah, we're ever. golden there. It's crazy. <laughs> it's good to be back, by the way. It's been a minute. Yeah, yeah I guess we should clarify it's Sunday, uh, about nine forty-five, January one. So happy New Year to y'all! Happy once New again, year. once again, Dave working on a holiday, uh, doing my second job on a holiday. Uh, yeah, What's up? Yeah. Gosh, the grind is real, man. Yeah, thank you. Keeping the economy spinning, Dave. People just don't get it, man. People do not get it. Just don't get it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, what you been doing, Painter? Uh, I was back in town, which was nice, and uh, I had sort of forgotten like how how big of a pop you can get. I, sh- I guess I shouldn't say forgotten because it's not like you know, I don't know, but. Uh, I, I went to the LSU game this year, and uh, that was a lot of fun in the first quarter, but I hadn't been to a basketball game in Auburn Arena or Neville Arena, I think, since pre-COVID. So, because I, I know I didn't go to one last year, and I didn't go to one during COVID season. So, yeah. it was uh, it was fun to be back, you know, yada, yada. That was a good one to be at. Yeah, I mean, like, sometimes the offense was atrocious, but. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean. Were you at the Florida game? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, lovely, lovely. We can why don't touch we, on that later, though. Yeah, why don't we start with football? Because <laughs> uh, since that last podcast, uh, I would say that recruiting went very well, and and I've gotten an opportunity to say my piece on that. Um, if anything, I think it does reinforce some of what we talked about previously. Which I'll just say this: like broadly, I think at Worse, Freeze's tenure in this staff seemed like it's going to be competent. And at best, it might well be pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we can go ahead and get that out of the way. Um, last podcast, we recorded immediately after the hiring of Hugh Freeze. It mm-hmm. is not my interest, or I don't believe any of the boys on this podcast interest, to come on here and just lambast Hugh Freeze any mention of Auburn football. It happened I was underwhelmed in the moment. We're moving on. 
it is mm-hmm. what it is. And I, I'm going to be pleased with the recruiting, I believe. I'm sure I'll be pleased with the on-field product as we see that proof of concept going in. doesn't mean any of the aforementioned was right or wrong. It was just yeah. in the moment how I felt, how we felt. But, yeah, it's about Auburn football. And I think I think they did a hell of a job, all things considered, uh, you know, coming down the stretch with the whole Brian Harson had dug them into with one of the largest excavators you could find in the recruiting planet. Yeah, no, I agree. I certainly was pleased with signing day, uh, flipping the guy from Florida State. I think Keldrick Falk is that the, is that the right yep. name? Yeah, uh, top one hundred guy on and rivals at least. Um, used to work for Rivals, so that's the rankings that I go off of. Um, that's a, that was huge. That was the biggest thing to me uh, was was flipping that guy um, is, is at a position of need uh, on the defensive line. Um, big deal there. Uh, would like to see more in the portal. Uh, you know, the port the portal is a huge part of rebuilding a roster, especially rebuilding this roster. So I think Auburn has a little bit of work to do in the portal. Was really pleased with signing day. I thought that was great. It was nice to see coaches trying uh to recruit guys, which sounds so terrible to say, but after the last two years, like and like Hugh Freeze is doing well, but he is doing what like anybody what else should as an SEC head coach. Right. Yeah. But I'm, sure. I'm, I'm, please hear me. I'm, I'm giving him the credit for that. He did it. They did a great job. And I will say, I'm, I am pleased with the staff in what, because to me, it looks like coordinator wise, um, especially defense, you've got, got these guys like, you know, the quote unquote coach them up guys. And then they're surrounded by these young, hungry recruiters at the position coaches, yeah. which I think is a, an interesting way to, and, and a smart way to build a staff. Um, and I think, you know, obviously there's been, talk about our last show, whatever, after freeze was hired. Sorry. I'm a little bit dehydrated still because of this. <laughs> I, can, I can like can barely speak. Um, but like a, a lot of time, a lot of people I've talked to about this show and the feedback we've gotten sometimes is like, it feels like you're talking, you know, we want it to feel like you're talking about Auburn in a sports bar or, you know, you're talking, you're talking about Auburn with your friends at the bar or whatever. And at that moment, that's what I would have been talking about in the bar immediately after it happened. Absolutely. But, but and I certainly don't like to admit that I'm wrong, but I don't think since our podcast Lane Kiffin has won a football game. So no, for sure. Uh, yeah. No, we, so, that, that hasn't aged well at all, <laughs> man, that, yeah, that mm, tough. I, tough I do think there. that what you're talking about uh, is somewhat related. Like I think Hugh has proven more than once that he's a good recruiter. And I think the staff, what you said, there's some real logic. I can follow what they, what the strategy was in assembling the staff. We'll see. I like. I think that they made some really good hires, and then the the fit thing with some of the former Auburn players, Marcus is, Davis, like is on the awesome surface, hire. really nice. Yeah, like, that's yeah. All, that's really good. That's really. Like, I, that. I think that excites Incredible. us, and I, I think too, like some of those guys have pretty proven track record as good recruiters, very valuable. So, um, but you know, I, I think we did mention the last podcast, like Brian Harson just wasn't like operating at a baseline acceptable level on the field yeah. and certainly in recruiting. <laughs> and like, I think freeze has proven he's a good recruiter Christian who we had on the podcast mentioned he's wouldn't be like surprised uh, to see Auburn recruiting in like a seven to 10 range with freeze as its coordinator, seven to 10, yeah. you know, top, top 10 uh, recruiting program. And like, Absolutely. I think compared to how incompetent, and poorly managed Auburn's recruiting efforts have been over the last two years. As we mentioned, I do think just seeing like 
people do what they should at a school that has resources and means is like a jolt of life. And then on top of that, you add in like, I think actually the staff's pretty good at recruiting and it will will show pretty quickly as it already has. So this has been a long winded way of saying, like, I think also the baseline of Auburn is relevant. And I think that's true of Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, Dude, you gotta be, you gotta be crunk if you're Hugh Freeze and you come in and you're like, this is what this guy was doing. Like, I don't even have to, I don't even have to hard and everyone's going to think I'm incredible. Like, there, there no. was several, and there were several of those kids. Well, that's the sad part. There were several of those kids that, like, had the previous staff put in like remotely any effort. They probably already right. had them in the bag, you know. Right. And it's like you don't right. just you don't just flip kids that quick just because. Like, I mean, that's just not happening with almost any staff. Like, there has they have has to be a want to there, and then there's obviously a level of effort and desire and just mutual liking that goes on there and the previous staff was just ass cheeks when it came to that stuff so i mean like you said keldrick falk was awesome flipping k and lee from ohio state was huge sylvester smith once the tony mitchell thing looked like it wasn't going to be real like when you get sylvester smith flip from tennessee like as as the immediate plan to follow that up and you've already got terrence love that's still coming in it's like that man they really did some impressive stuff and like the portal like you said definitely want to see some more there but like it's been so like how refreshing is it to see how massive the focus is at offensive line, like the kids out of the high school rank and what we've got in the portal so far, like Dylan Wade could be the the biggest portal addition of the offseason. I mean, that that guy yeah. very probably, I mean, he should be easily day one starter, like big time tackle out of the portal. So it's it's been refreshing to see a competent staff do competent things and get us back to something we can enjoy watching. For sure. And, and Dave, I said all that, that kind of long winded stuff. Really, it started with what you mentioned with Kiffin. Like, I, I still think Kiffin's proven, you know, by winning the 20 or so games, he's one of the last two seasons. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a job well done. Uh, but I yeah, do think there's why. like a, probably like a yeah. natural up and down nature having Kiffin as your coach. And that's especially true at a program like Ole Miss. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. Their meltdown has been delicious. They, it they has been like, incredible. Dude, he, He's losing all these games, and then like the next day, he's tweeting a picture of him fishing for Marlin on a boat. He's just like, "Fuck you, I don't care." It's amazing. Which like now I'm saying that, and I'm like, that would have really pissed me off if he was doing those things at Auburn. So, but uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, they really they hammered fit. They hammered fit with the staff. Yeah, yeah. The Tony Mitchell thing gave me such gave me PTSD on so many levels. Oh yeah. And That's what man, I wasn't dude, I wasn't believing that for a fucking minute. Like dude. never was. I told so many people I was like, when I see that kid's name because I know somebody that's like the other podcast I do, the big AM fan on there, and he's always yeah. pretty plugged in with the recruiting stuff. Dude, Tony Mitchell was telling them all the same exact stuff. Like yeah, yeah. every single person in involved in his recruiting was just getting told what they wanted to hear all the time. And so I was like, when he has a name on paper and we get his NLI right. faxed in or whatever, then I'll believe it, but not a moment until then. It's just that it happens all the time. Like literal God could be the coach at Auburn. And that those, these kids are not going to flip from Alabama. It's, it's <laughs> Tony Mitchell. It's Cyrus Quanjo, whatever his name was, Rashawn Evans, uh, Reuben Foster, DJ Rashawn Evans. Yeldon. Rashawn Evans with that yeah, Auburn Yeldon. tattoo on his arm. Yeah, I guess and, Yeldon's was a little bit different, but yeah. Yeah. Yeldon's and, you know, obviously, played. like, on the on another level, Tony Mitchell was t- apparently telling people, coaches, reporters, whatever, like, yeah, I'm going to Auburn. And it's like, that stuff happens in recruiting, reporting so much, and it sucks. Kids are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do that. Nope. Doesn't happen. Yeah. I do, suck. like, 
so when I was covering Notre Dame, uh, a lot of one time I was down in um, I was down in Miami and I was talking to this five star running back and I won't say his name, but I was like, hey man, what do you uh, what do you think about Notre Dame? He's like, oh dude, I'm I'm not going to Notre Dame. I was like, oh okay, cool, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> I was like, why am I in, why am I in Miami? Why am I here at your school? But he was like, oh yeah, I don't know, I don't probably not. I was like, okay, perfect. Well, we can we can wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible I was, like, I was like oh well what do you what do you think about auburn no just kidding <laughs> <laughs> and and credit to the guys that were the holdovers obviously too because like zach and car uh you know caddy they did so much work maintaining so many of those relationships yeah in the meantime and man like hell of a job by those guys and i mean like you said i mean it's very smart for freeze to surround himself with people that the fan base is going to fully ingratiate themselves with. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. you know, and, and accept, I mean, that's a smart thing to do. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's put together a good staff and guys that we're obviously going to love and, and know, and that's, that's pretty cool. I think strategically too, I, I feel like freeze has been good to the media that cover him so far, which um, I think is, a wise thing to PR do. 101 for sure you better yeah um you know just as a general rule i think probably specific to him and compared to the previous staff i mean again if there's going to be some natural comparing over the next year or so to how things were to how they are and uh i would say he's doing some little things right now that yeah. i mean just easy victories uh and some of that is also just like not being a t- like not being a bad person or no, not, I don't want to make it moral, but like <laughs> not being a dick, not being a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's what I, like what I said earlier, like the require, not the requirements for this job, but like if you were just going off, Oh, there he goes. Oh, he's back. If, and I know Hugh Freeze is not doing this, but if you were just going off, like, how do I look better than the last guy? Step one, don't be a huge asshole. Step two. Yeah, exactly. Try one percent in recruiting, and you are already beating him. Like you're already beating him out. And again, he's not just going off. How do I look better than Brian Harson? But like, it's obviously it, it. It would be hard for anybody to come in here and not energize the fan base by just doing a little bit, like literally one percent of the job. Because Brian Harson was doing none of it. Like, yep. Brian yeah, I, I think it was an odd mentality to be like the the kids should want to come to us. Yes. And like, I, that's not the mentality that Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and Ryan Kelly have. And like, they're all at programs yeah. that objectively have an easier path to recruiting at a higher level than we do. And they don't right. take that mentality. Yep. Ryan Harsh's mentality was, hey, I'm going to go to Mexico. Uh, you guys, you guys have fun. He took it way too literally that Auburn would recruit itself. <laughs> it's like you still right. got to do some legwork to get people interested in all yeah. some infrastructure yeah, <laughs> and le- like you said legwork involved you are auburn that's what he, he was like that like you are the face of auburn you're the one that like does the recruiting of itself you know what i mean like yep you're that's the yeah so again i like hugh freeze had to be pumped because he came in and he was like okay this guy wasn't doing shit so let me just do a little bit, and these Make people are gonna love phone him. calls. <laughs> so, like this, like he has so many, and he has so long till the the season to build up all this goodwill, and he's doing it. Um, yeah, and he's doing it. He's doing it well because again, it would have been very, very hard to come in and not look ten billion percent better than Brian Harson because Brian Harson was a disaster. I do, I do think it should be said though, like um, 
all that all that about the the baseline level of competency and and is true and also like i expect that freeze does recruit at a top 10 level with some regularity he did it at old miss yeah no i mean i i've fully bought into that i mean we should almost always anyway i mean if you're going to be competing in that sphere and the teams that are are our rivals and you know, you look around the country at who else is finishing kind of in those spots. Like we absolutely should be in that, that tier of teams recruiting almost every given year. Well, and I think, I think somebody, it, go ahead. I think somebody told Brian Harson that like, yeah, Auburn should probably be recruiting in the top 10 every year. Oh, okay. Like, okay, cool. Is that, we just, that's it. Okay. So they just do it or like, what do I do? I have to sign something or. And I think that was one of the biggest miscalculations with hiring him was because on paper it did make a lot of sense in the way that like they took lesser talented kids and developed them and the way that that happened and you know the teams they're competing against all things considered but then you apply that from an Auburn that they're operating at a talent disadvantage against their rivals as opposed to what Boise was doing against most of the teams that played obviously a talent disadvantage against some of the more you know like Oregon's and those kind of teams they would play every blue moon but like the teams they're playing in conference, I mean, they they were working at a talent advantage and then developing those guys to play against those kind of teams. And that that was a slight miscalculation in hindsight. And I think it bears repeating again. Auburn's had, you know, Tuberville recruited at a top 10 level. Um, not every year, but he did. Uh, same thing with Chiswick. Same thing with Gus. Like, I think that's going to become the norm. And I wonder yeah. if he can hit some of those peaks of like the mouths on Chiswick recruiting with right. a little bit more consistency. But I think it's inevitable, too. Like, Auburn may have some classes that fall outside of the top 10 because you just look at some of the other programs that are in the top 10 and, like... Yeah, for yeah, sure. You're going to have those Oklahoma and Miami both had bad seasons but still had excellent, you know, appear to be in great shape with recruiting with, with yeah. new coaches. Absolutely. It's been refreshing to see. It was fun to follow signing day. Um, it's been fun. Hopefully... Portal stuff. Another quarterback apparently is off the board with Grayson McCall, obviously going back to Coastal apparently. So that's another target. So I guess it's Spencer Sanders or wait and see what else happens. Yeah, what is the deal with McCall? Was that was that surprise? Like nationally, was the narrative around that surprise that he's just like, all right, well, we'll go back to like nobody. Was I, there, I think I, it's pretty indicting on on the academic thing and the grade stuff yeah. that that he was probably. I would assume they don't want to forecast too much, I guess, but I, I mean, I think it pretty something, clear that he was probably having some yeah. run in with other schools also getting let's, admitted. If he just jumps in and jump jumps back, right back in. Well, let's, let's, let's find a work around there. Let's, let's not act like, let's not act like that matters to me. Yeah. I know uh, it's crazy. Let's, let's, you know, let's, you know, if we need to hack something or let, let you know, this isn't, it's another reason the NCAA that is stupid, right there. <laughs> right, as Cardell Jones said, we're not here to play school. You know, not here to play school. Is right. it a graduate transfer? Like, let it. You know what? And I mean, that might. You know that that seems to be one of the new things floating around is that maybe he's going back to school so that he can finish up this spring semester and right some wrongs oh, academically okay. Okay. and possibly be open in, in May. So we'll see. Bowling, to bowling two, golf, golf two. Exactly. Just, you know, yeah, yeah. Just get yeah. it Element, done. Elementary Spanish one. Now, you know, I don't know. I think about my own son, you know, if I tried to transfer somewhere when I was a junior in college or senior in college with my 
would my transcript have held up to to scrutiny? And I, right. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. NCAA well, rules would have got us. <laughs> I, was a, I was a journalism major, so after the core curriculum, I did pretty well. But my first semester at Auburn was tough. And Internet. why is that? Why well, is that? Well, you know, uh, I vividly remember I got a 42 on my first college test. And I was like, oh, wow, I guess this is this is not really – this is not like high school where I can just like study for an hour and be good to go. Um, got a 42. And I was like, well, no chance in that class. I guess I'll stop going because you don't have to go to class in college. Sick. And then, uh, yeah, that didn't go super well. But I turned it around. Dave, do you miss Copper Beach? Oh, my gosh, dude. Did you? You didn't live there, did you? No, I just remember you and one of our other <laughs> friends living out there. Oh, dude, that place, I guess. If anybody, if anybody, well, obviously people who are listening to this know the landscape of Auburn. It's like two miles off campus. <laughs> and so you can either drive out there or you can get the beach bus, which is just this big apartment complex branded school bus that runs till like two in the morning. But if you miss it, I walked from downtown to Copper Beach many, many times, which is so dumb. I guess all, this is all it's not. Uber. It's not close. What is it? Probably a mile and a half to a mile and three quarters. Of a yeah, walk. it's about two miles. And I, I can, I can vividly remember times where I was literally walking on train tracks at like two in the morning. I'm like, what am yeah. I doing? This is, this is extremely dangerous. That's how it happens, right there. Yeah. Again, <laughs> but once again, there were and haters. Obituary for Dave. Yeah, there it is. Over it has not been written yet, though, man. So many people out there have pre-written those. But here I am. You know. Here he is. Hello, haters. Pablo, where did you live in school? I lived in Ridgewood, down Rye Ro- mm-hmm. Road, past the vet school. It was you like it was there like all four years. Yeah, I, I lived there three years, um, and so it was it was fun. We we just had the normal Tiger Transits, you know, mm-hmm. that would carry us out there. Um, it was like a poor person's version of uh, Copper Beach. No, Copper mm. Beach was no Copper Beach was a poor person's version of Creekside. It was on the computer. Yeah, exactly. Side of the town. So Ridgewood so was she... the poor, the poor tertiary of, of those. <laughs> we we I remember our I had our a couple apartment. of friends that lived at Copper Beach and Creekside. So yeah, those our, places were always jumping. Copper Beach was tough. Our apartment was furnished and all the furniture was blue. It was all living, blue. Living the trailer life was was pretty sweet though. I mean, we had like a we had a basketball court out there, had a pool. Tennis court. Oh, it was going nice. to the pool over the summers because you know one of the, my favorite times of the year is Christmas vacation because obviously uh, like uh, I was from Auburn and I shouldn't say obviously but I, I'm from Auburn and so you know the town's dead for like that two three four week period yeah. whatever it is and then the beginning of summer before classes have started back oh love that time okay. love going oh to the pool. yeah yeah you know it's about Dave where did you oh you lived in that yeah you lived in that house those couple of years right. Yeah, and then and then Off, ultimately uh, the fraternity house. Which man, those upgrades are nice. But enough about that. Do we have any more? Uh, do we have any more football stuff? I mean, I, I guess I'm actually I don't want to like overtire this conversation yet. But I, I think because you mentioned McCall, it's worth mentioning also Robbie. Um, yeah. It seems like there's a real group of people who have like a lot of faith. Uh, or or seem excited about potential is the word that I seem to see the most with Robbie. Uh, I'm not as optimistic. However, uh, I've been wrong before. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we saw enough toward the toward the stretch that like the potential is there for sure. It's just when is that going to be ready to tap into to compete like you want to compete? Because 
completing less than 50% of your passes is not that, you know? And like, I mean, look at the last guy that we criticized week after week for throwing, you know, less than 60% of his passes and he could run pretty well. So, I mean, I know Robbie's got some legs and I'm sure it would be nice in this kind of scheme, this offense to, you know, be tooled more for his skill set. Cause this year, granted, he did kind of start behind the eight ball in a TJ Finley offense. And then they kind of just retooled it mid season to fit him which is not at all how an offense is supposed to work at this level. Um, and then you had a coaching change in the middle of that with the offensive staff being let go. So it was, it was some crazy circumstances for him. So, I mean, I'm, I'm still hopeful for the potential for Robbie. I think it's absolutely asinine to just think you go into that without bringing in anybody considering what you're going to have, you know, you're, yeah. you're just going to have Holden behind him. I will be very surprised if Finley is back on the roster. Calzada is already gone. Like you need to bring in scholarship quarterbacks regardless. You might as well bring in the best of what you can. It's, it's extremely boomer bust, right? So, I mean, it's, it's the absolute dart on the bomb in the iron bowl. And then it's right. missing a three yard screen pass with nobody yeah. around it. So it's just like, which which one is going to be what who he is consistently? Well, and I saw um, and one it, version, and, like and, the version that was less fun to watch. We got on a more consistent basis this year, right? Right, it could exactly. change. It could be better. Exactly, right. and I mean, you would and, expect that ideally, like another off season. He's a year older. Like he is young, all things considered. Like he hasn't played much football. You know, that was his first year actually seeing the field. So, like, there's a lot of lot for potential there that you know is rational. I think you still have to bring in somebody to compete to bring out the best in that potential. Yeah. And I think the question, if you're Hugh Freeze and the staff, which is a big part of college football now, is are you going to gamble on – is your is your gamble going to be riding with Robbie or is your gamble like because you want to protect his potential so much and what he could be in a year or later next season? Or are you gambling on let's bring in uh, Spencer Sanders or somebody else – a veteran and, but, guy, yeah, but, that but can go tomorrow. But in the process, piss off Robbie by essentially telling him, "We don't think you're good enough to just hand you the keys to this program after you just started for a year, and then he transfers." Now, I don't know that he would, but that that is very much the the way of college football now. Is you? No, it's a plausible worry. Yeah, so it, it just it's if you're Hugh Freeze, which one are you worried about more? And I agree with you, Pablo. You got it. I think you have to bring somebody yeah, I, in. I think I don't at know, this point. When you're already are replacing a fired coach and you're coming in needing to make a splash, you do everything you can to assemble as many chips as possible for tomorrow. And that would include bringing in Spencer Sanders or the like. And if Robbie ends up winning the job, hell yeah. Like I'm, I'm all for that, but you have to bring in somebody to compete with Robbie that you would presume is better at this point going into the spring. You have to. Maybe Sam Hartman. Maybe he can't get it in Notre Dame. Who knows? You know, Notre yeah, maybe tough, he's got great into. Tyler Buckner looked pretty good the other day. I, well, he threw two pick sixes, but other than that, <laughs> he looked really good. Oh, Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham. Who Sweet else is boy, out Jared. there? Who else is out there that could that could come along? Apparently, the two lane quarterback. He's announced he's coming back, but oh. there's still some scuttlebutt. He's going to be maybe okay. in the portal. That would so be fun. Right. That, that would be nice. fun. He would be really I good. Be happy about that. That'd be a major target. Um, I don't know, man. I'll be surprised. I mean, there's still still a couple things. Mm-hmm. I mean, and hell, you never know. There's still another signing day to take place. Like, yeah. you know, spring ball is going to happen. There's going to be some there's movement be more after movement spring in the portal. Ball. Yeah, I mean, there'll be. 
guys will get their jobs and more will hit the portal at quarterback. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll I think uh, I think on this podcast I spoke highly of or, or desired to have Jason Bean playing quarterback at Auburn. I think that stock mm-hmm. has has fallen a little bit. Great, great throw by that guy. Yeah. What about uh, what about Hudson Card? What's he doing? Is he? He's going to Purdue. Oh, okay. I'll have fun at Purdue, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> a little bit of you seem you seem unimpressed by Purdue. Yeah. Well, and then uh, what's his name is going to Wisconsin. Am I, am uh, I supposed to be impressed by Purdue? I, or don't they play tomorrow? Yeah, LSU and Purdue. Oh wow! Is that the Drew Brees Bowl? Yep, Drew Brees Bowl. What's the what's the dude's name that's going to Wisconsin? Uh, the quarterback. No, wow. the quarterback. Uh, Tanner Mordecai, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mordecai. I almost said why the I almost said Cade Cunningham. Why would I say that? I don't. That's not it. Yeah, he plays basketball. That's true. He's on my he's on my Pistons. <laughs> on your Pistons, exactly. That's right, man. We're having a great season. I think we won like four games. Hell yeah. We're going to uh, see a Bulls game in a few days. Oh yeah. wow! Who are they playing? I can't tell you that. Oh. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> wow. I didn't expect that. I didn't see that coming. I'm, I'm flummoxed right now. You'd have to kill yeah. you if I told you who they play. Right. Are, is, are any Auburn players involved? Um, again, Always. It's the I, NBA, brother. Yeah, exactly. That's true. I mean, That's yeah. True. You'd be hard-pressed to find an NBA team yeah. without an Auburn guy. Every round. You know, it's uh, – frustrating is that Alabama appears to once again be quite good. I'm a, hold on. I'm uh, yeah, Bulls, they are. Bulls they're good. Schedule. They're still really young though. So I'm hoping that they're, you know, in, in the conference grind, they're just going to basically turn into the Kentuckys that we always see that are just the young teams going to lose to okay. some experienced ones, lose some ugly ones, and then just kind of flame out unnecessarily. I'm still buying for, Arkansas stock too, even with the even with the early loss to LSU. What are you saying, David? If we're shifting into basketball, I have a, I have a SEC basketball theory that I've been uh, I've been sitting on and uh, ruminating over the past few days. If you'd like, did to, you lose interest like in figuring out please which yes, Bulls listen. game I'm going to? Uh, well, I see that they're playing the Cavs and the Nets coming up. Maybe the oh, they're playing the Jazz. On January seventh, can't skip over the seventy sixers. Seventy sixers, yeah. Well, okay, no, I, yeah, I, I correct. I've lost interest. Yeah, but enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> that's gonna be fun. Anyway, uh, the theory that I've been working on <laughs> is a couple of homes, couple of aways. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people have been saying there, there's been some theories out there about Auburn that Auburn's going to struggle in SEC play. I think the I think Auburn might struggle in SEC play, but I think the SEC is also bad or average at basketball right now. Like Kentucky's not that great. Alabama, yes, has some big wins, but like they went to triple overtime with North Carolina and North Carolina sucks. Uh, <laughs> so like, I don't know that the SEC is all that good. Like, I, you know, L- Arkansas lost to LSU. Like I, it could be a thing where everybody eats each other. And I just I feel don't like, know though, that- like if you look at Ken Palm and that's just one analytics ranking projection you know whatever but like nerd <laughs> I, I don't know i feel like i would push There's back a lot on of, that on a lot that of good sum. teams yeah yeah I would, no i i can't quite go that the sec is not good but yeah I, I, there may not be one team way ahead of another team i don't know if there's a head and shoulders favorite at the moment well no i, I my theory is correct 
So let's not <laughs> let's not just let's not argue that. No, I agree, but it's just I, I think I don't think the like I'm not I'm not ready to say that Auburn is going to struggle mightily in the SEC as some may assume. Yes, the offense is a work in progress still, um, and the the scoring is is what leaves much to be desired. But I think I'm not ready to like jump ship yet because they've lost two games. Is that right? Mm-hmm. USC and Memphis both away or both well one away one neutral site. Which the Memphis game I was at uh, tough tough game there. Which I don't I don't think we've recorded since then. Um, so. I'll tell you the story of the three Alabama fans who were sitting in front of me at State Farm Arena during the Auburn-Memphis game, during also the Alabama-Houston game, which they seem to be unaware of. They were openly cheering for Memphis. Uh, They proved my theory that Alabama fans are extremely threatened by Auburn's basketball success um, and are willing to pay. I paid $50 for those tickets, so they paid at least $50 for three tickets to this game to come and actively root against Auburn uh, rather than watch them, their own team beat the number one team in the country. So that's what they were doing. Oh, and then uh, as they were leaving, one of them patted me on the shoulder and told me to have a great night. And I said nothing and I did nothing. So (laughs) respect, you know, I just kind of let it literally bounce off my shoulder. But yeah, that's what Alabama Alabama basketball fans uh, have have going for them that's what they're doing these days is uh going to auburn games to root against auburn well they also appear to have a pretty good team but i would say there's some big loser energy in those uh folks as well they're uh, obsessed that, that, that uh confronted you at an auburn basketball game they are obsessed with the size of crowds like going into the gonzaga game that was in birmingham they were just like it's the biggest crowd that we'll see a basketball game in the state this season i'm like who fucking cares what what? A, you lost. So congratulations, you lost in front of a big crowd. It's not even that big of a crowd, but like they're obsessed with Auburn Arena and like it's it's small. And they were going to build an arena that was just about the same size. Turns out, poor can't do it. <laughs> uh, so now I kind of feel like an, now I kind of feel like one of them because I'm just ranting on Alabama basketball on an Auburn podcast. So sort of a you know sort of the same thing in the hands there thing. <laughs> But uh, that that really that really pissed me off uh, that day. Not to mention we lost, so that was tough. Also, and I mean, it's, I think it's one of those things where no matter where you're at on any spectrum of anything, you're just going to angle the point that works for you. <laughs> so, well, so yeah, that's just obviously. one of the things they can say. So now they just they just say it all the time. Yeah, that Gonzaga game, they were like biggest crowd to watch basketball in, in the Alabama state. this year, and it's like, oh, sweet. Lost. A <laughs> lot more people got to see that. Oh, speaking of uh, Alabama related things, can we shift back to football for like two seconds? Of course, sure. Can we talk about? Can we talk about Trent Dilfer saying uh, saying yeah. that you can go to Alabama if you want, but we're the second best choice in Alabama, dude? Look, looking past the Auburn part of it, Troy and South Alabama just had baller seasons. Like you, you are so far behind, my brother. Yeah, and the funny, uh, I think it was John Covey when when he tweeted that like Hank Brown, the kid that played for Dilfer, actually yeah, is coming right, to Auburn right. instead of going to UAB. <laughs> it's like that's that's a great that's a great point that a, th- a three star quarterback that could be going there and being right. 
who knows the next what at UAB is like going to just kind of take a chance on coming to Auburn and yeah. see. And I, I like UAB. I want UAB to be good. But no, like, for sure. That's the thing that what? annoys me. It's like living here. Like I would love to see that. Like I also, that's one of my alma maters. Like that would be, that would be yeah. a cool thing to like support, but like, dude, quit taking unnecessary shots. Like, that's going to make it really difficult for me. And I know that's yeah. a small niche to like have to cater to, but still like, dude, you don't need to be alienating people that could be supporting your program and fan base right. as a secondary institution. But don't piss me off, Trent. <laughs> You're already an yeah. asshole widely regarded. <laughs> like let's not, oh, let's is, not do is that. he really? Yeah. A lot of people don't like him. Huh? I don't know. Well, you know, he's, he was, when you say a lot of people, do you mean people that used to play with him have come out and and said that he wasn't like fun to play with or that people that have worked with them have found him to to be challenging in some way to work with? Yeah. More of the latter. He said some things about some quarterbacks before that led to some expectations that weren't quite met. You know, he ran that elite 11 camp and uh, some of those guys didn't really pan out. Um, He also coached, he was, he was coaching, where I used to live, and now he's coaching where I live. So Trindle were kind of following me around. What's the deal with that? Bro? Yeah, <laughs> chill out, Trent. I guess, yeah, like fan, Nashville and Birmingham. Fan behavior, Trent, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Anyway, we can shift back. I just, that just popped into my head, and uh, as one of the things that's happened since we last recorded, that stood out to me, and it was just it's an asinine thing to say. So is um, not to just totally like break our own rules since we spent a fair, you know, the last five minutes talking about Alabama. Uh, again, as I mentioned a moment ago, buying stock in Arkansas, regardless of them, with a little bump in the road to start SEC play, I'm still extremely impressed and just kind of blindly following Eric Musselman around, speaking of being followed. <laughs> yeah, you- they're good, and he is a good coach. And, yeah, I, I mean, I think, to me, that's still probably the class of the league. Um, I, I just – I'll I'll believe it when I see it with Bama just because of their – their yeah. youth and just what we've seen Nate do when other teams are actually good. Um, like that's, I don't think it's going to be a year like 2020 where Bama happened to be good and the veteran team in the league when everybody just kind of sucked. Like, I don't think that will be this year. Like they, they were saying that the SEC is not as good. I don't think it's nothing like that. I think the ceiling might be a little lower because of the last two weeks or so that we've seen, but I think the league will kind of eat itself as we get into into these games and a lot of teams will feel like their teams suck because you're going to lose six or seven conference games when there's going to be a lot of teams that can be a lot of other teams yeah painter aren't you like uh chronically doing battle with arkansas fans online mm, yeah i don't i don't Tell think i'm to- picking fights with them as often but there was like a little uh part in time Not back yet, in 2021 anyway. where i was like bickering with i don't it, not i wasn't really speaking with people i don't think too much with football but with basketball i guess there's probably some back and forth but yeah i don't know i i, I don't know i I, oh. I i think muscleman's doing a hell of a job that's all i can Ooh, say well, there i don't know yeah, what he's doing kentucky i don't like, i need honestly. him to go back to the nba i'm tired of this shit we play them on saturday yeah, right? yeah georgia georgia on wednesday Arkansas georgia wednesday yeah that, yeah, yeah. Well, and one of y'all just mentioned losses in conference play and i think that that's probably a fair point there'll be a, a number of teams that have a you know, a healthy amount of losses that doesn't make them bad teams by any stretch. I, I'm in a pick them. And I, I, I've said this already, I think on the show with Ferg, but like I had a, I had a hard time like looking through and picking against Auburn, but I only picked Auburn to lose in five conference games. And like, that doesn't feel like enough. Like I think yeah, they're going to lose I, I close think, to like seven or eight. I think most rational fans, if you, 
you know, there's going to be a lot of those games. If, if you're a fan of one of the teams we would consider good in the league, you know, of the six or seven that could probably win it there, you're probably hard pressed to pick more than five that you would lose. Realistically, most of those are probably going to end up losing six, seven, eight. And I'll, I'll be very surprised if anyone, you know, like last year, will we lose four? I think we went 14 and four and won the, won the league. I'll be very surprised if anybody loses four or less this year. Yeah. Because the rest of the league is just better. Can I try to guess the games that you picked Auburn to lose? Um, I don't have it in front of me, but you can go ahead and let it rip. At Kentucky. Yep. At Tennessee. Yep. At Alabama. I believe so. I can't. Yeah, almost certainly, yes. Home against Arkansas? Um. This is where it gets hairy because the first three, I think you're definitely correct on those. Uh, yeah. I feel like I had us like losing at Texas A&M or something too. Like it's a hard to do. We're going to lose to somebody stupid. Yeah, probably. It's hard, it's, it's hard to see Auburn losing, like pick Auburn to lose a home game. Like, right. yes, that is exactly. I may have still, I, I feel like I did pick Auburn to be, I don't yeah. know if I had us losing a home game. Cause I, I think, yeah, I think we'll lose on the road to Tennessee. I don't think we'll win in Rupp. I think we'll lose in, at Coleman. Um, I don't know if I had us losing a game at home, and that might—I mean—that might happen this year. We'll lose at Coleman in front of a huge crowd too. I don't know if you guys know that. Yeah, I mean, crowd. hell, it almost happened last week. Big crowd. Is Ole Miss? Ole Miss is not—they're not good, are they? Ooh, we no, gotta go okay. two. We go two LSU on the eighteenth. That could be one very well. I don't think I had yeah, us losing that game, game, but like if you told me we lost, so they just knocked off Arkansas in Baton Rouge. I am I am appreciative of the fact that no we, Ole Miss isn't bad. I mean they they really should have beaten Tennessee yeah, last week. I don't think they're super well coached. Uh, no, they're not. And I mean they're they're going to be one of those teams that's you know it's going to be like when we played them last year. They're going to just win some of those ugly wins and and lose probably more than they win. But they'll they'll beat a couple good teams. It is pleasing that we get Alabama at home on a Saturday and they get us at home on like a Tuesday night. Yeah, it is, and we get them first this year at home. Yeah, as as opposed to the other way around. So that, that I kind of like that better this year. We whooped their ass at home last year. That was a that was a that great, was such a fun game. That's maybe that the most awesome. fun game I've ever been to. Which which game are we talking about right now? The we, last like year's Bama game. Like a, That's yeah. I, I think that we're there's a chance we get second half gets away from us in Coleman. Yeah. I guess so like if that team gets hot at some stretch, might be right. I will say the. Alabama basketball game at Coleman is typically my one trip a year to Tuscaloosa, and I'm 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 wavering on that. <laughs> I'm gonna go, man. I I went I went. Uh, All right, I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> two two or three years ago, I can't remember which game it was. It was when we went in there, ranked number four. We had played absolutely nobody out of conference. We were undefeated, number four. And they gave us our yeah. first conference loss. Yeah. Oh, dude, I was and, there. And too. we got shellacked, like because we couldn't mm. hit a fucking shot. Like that that team. Yeah. Whoever it was, the year the, the COVID team. year. Yeah. yeah, the Okora team, the year that got cut short. Um, yeah. and I mean, we knew we weren't going to be able to score going in there, and blah blah blah. So yeah, if I can stomach that one, I can I can stomach this one when I know they're actually good. Yeah, that losing it all sucks. Losing on the road while everyone else around you is having a good time. Uh, yeah. also stings, but there is some solidarity in it and it does sort of check you. It's like, it's like, all right, it'll make the good times a little sweeter. Yeah, exactly. No. And it's, and it's much, it's a more, it's a more, um, stinging feeling in a basketball game than a football stadium too, because oh, even yeah. in a football stadium, 
it's a large crowd, but like you're still most likely surrounded by a lot of the fans that you're there with. And in basketball, like you're right. still so intimately around like all those dudes that are just and and gals that are just throwing down and you're having a terrible time. So I know he's listening and some his some people that know him are listening. So I'll give a, a quick shout out to uh to Logan, subscriber number one thousand of the Auburn Observer, who I Attended, a mutual friend of Painter and I attended that game with him uh, that year in Tuscaloosa. And like you said, it was with 2020 team. We hadn't lost. We're, we're number four in the country. Coming off the final four run, Alabama beats us. Obviously, they all love it. They're all just like talking trash, whatever, celebrating. We're leaving Coleman Coliseum, and everybody that walks by, every Alabama fan, Logan just keeps going, Congrats on the Super Bowl win. Hey, congrats on the biggest win in program history. Congrats on the Super Bowl win. It's like, dude, these people are going to beat us up. These people are going to yeah, jump they're us. They're going to beat us up. And it's like, like, I don't, I don't want to go because I think we're going to lose. But it's like, I think I have to because it's 45 minutes away and it's $3. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's one time to get to see them and you go with the expectation that it won't go well. But if it does, you'll right. remember it forever. And you act like a huge dick. Huge on the dick. Way out. Last oh, man, year was we, so fun. Oh, oh my last God. year was amazing. You showed my whole ass in that stadium. Yeah. Oh, oh no, it was amazing. No doubt. I would do. Yes. Okay. Uh, would you, I don't know. Did we? Did we know each other at the time? I think we were DMing. And we're we probably were both, internet friends. We were both yeah. sitting right. We were both sitting right around uh, Jabari's dad. I was literally right in front of. Yeah, him. I got so was, much I pleasure out of seeing. Jabari's dad like have a good time as a fan. Oh, dude, he yeah. was getting into it, it in Tuscaloosa. It was awesome, and uh, yeah, oh yeah, we we were leaving and we just like blasted the post game show out of the car, like because we had a parking pass like right next to Coleman. And we were just and you can't get out of there to save your life. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like oh, it's awful. stagnant forever. We have yeah. some confident guys on the roster that will like talk. You know, obviously oh, for to sure. the opponents, but like one thing that about Jabari was like he talked shit and. He was super oh, yeah. good. And those two yeah. things together are very fun. Yeah. Yeah. He he has that that like crowd silencing capability of shit talking where you know he's talking shit. You know he means it. You're terrified he's gonna be able to back it up. And inevitably he's almost always going to. My favorite thing about someone that's that good being able to talk trash, and I saw him do this at least once. I think it was a Syracuse player. You can very calmly tell someone that they are bad when you are that good. Yeah. And it's like very disrespectful. It doesn't have to be done. And like, yeah, you don't exactly. have to raise your tone. You can say it matter of factly. And I think it can be kind of crushing. Didn't yeah. he talk shit like directly to Jim Beheim? Well, yep, yeah, he, he did, did that with a little that bit more spirit awesome. though. Dude, little pizzazz. I, and like that, that's part of the reason last year was so fun is because like that energy just like vibrated into the fan base. And so, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Fan, like, I was, we were, we were just reckless. Mad shit talkers <laughs> last year. It was awesome. It's, it was it's awesome. like one of the most fun seasons I've ever been a oh, part dude. of. The Kentucky game, like, being at, I, I like almost miss rent to go to that game. And I have, do not regret that whatsoever. It was, no, I like how I say it. it it's the most fun season I've been a part of, as if like I contributed to you the success the team, of right? the season. And whoa, 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 whoa. You did. Yeah. But that's the thing. We're all we're all on for the ride, man. Like exactly. every Dude, everybody I, played a part. That Kentucky game was one of the best days. It was like perfect weather. Tumors was wild. Uh, it was like I think it was like one dollar beers at Skybar at like two from oh like two o'clock. Skybar from like two o'clock to nine o'clock. Just like what that pop on the steel and dunk. 
Yeah. Yeah, dude. Jabari, but Jabari just nailing that shot over two dudes, two Kentucky guys. Oh, and it is fun to see a program that has had as much success as Kentucky lose because they handle it often with such little grace. And oh, look, yeah, they're so bad. Oh, yeah. The internet's not the place to go to try to find reason or grace when a fan base has just lost a game, obviously. However, like I do think two things are at play there. One, they're usually really good, and so they don't handle the losses very well. And also, like they have a bunch of random people that are like fans of that program, and I think that always yeah. leads to like extra weird behavior. Well, that even that made it so much better because like the whole thing around like uh, you know the Matt Jones guy who was like, oh well, they're not here to see Auburn, and I'm like, right. and, like. And then we just whooped their ass, and like I was going, I was going around and asking Kentucky. This makes me sound like such an asshole. I was going around asking Kentucky fans to take pictures with me, <laughs> taking pictures with all these Kentucky fans. Well, oh, and man. another thing that's you talk about, about you talk um, about shit talking. It was elite that day. It was amazing. I guess this goes to Pablo's point a moment ago, which is not like groundbreaking but i think bears repeating um you're gonna always spin it for the way that's most convenient for the narrative you've crafted in your head and so for kentucky fans that's always leaning on a rich history but what's implied in that is like well you can't enjoy the success you're having now because you need to win 10 more national titles and 60 conference titles to be able to talk to us and it's like that's that's fair but i don't think that's really how it works like we won today so this is fun and now, and Kentucky's not having success right now. They're, they kind of stink. I don't Auburn know what to make them. of them. They don't, I mean, they don't stink, but they're not, they're not like all powerful. Which again, like you just said, Painter, is like for a Kentucky fan, if you're not like undefeated, then you think you're, that your team stinks. And they're just not like there was such a throughout most of SEC history, but certainly I would say for a stretch run of Calipari's tenure up until recently and, and for much of the 21st century, like they were just far and away most seasons, the best team in the conference. And that's not been true every year. In fact, a lot of years within the last half decade or so, like it's been kind of unclear who's going to come yeah. out at the top of the conference. They seem to be now they're just another good team at the moment with a lot of rich history, they may get back. I don't know if it'll be with Calipari. It seems like the fan base kind of doing this song and dance with him, but yeah, I think they're as, as hot on him as they've ever been right Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's uh, Lonnie who always retweets that Henry Patton tweet, whenever Kentucky loses. It's like this, it's like this long laundry list of like five star, like NBA all-star players that, that Calipari has coached. And yeah, it's a great tweet. What one, two champion? Well, how many championships Calipari have? One. He has one, one championship? national title. One. Cha- oh my gosh! The that's, one with Anthony Davis. That's legitimately shocking. Yeah, that's wild. Um, Pablo, it, it really is. What sorry. it comes down to is Auburn broke them in the Elite Eight, and they exactly. can't get over it. So sorry. And, and there's a lot of overlap probably already in the fan bases, <laughs> but they're what we see because because uh, of this, this digital age, like what we see. Kentucky fans as that is what Bama fans will soon be like. And that's, I can't wait to see it because they don't know anything but winning and just mm. their whole, their whole personality. Yeah. Their whole personality consists of just being superior. And like, once you take that away, they don't know how to lose man, they, because it's who they are. And, and like, that just does something to your psyche the when you just are that much better. Ego. Yeah. When you're just so much better for so long that like, you don't know how to behave as like a normal human anymore. And, it they're gonna they're gonna feel that, and I can't wait. Anyway, what were you about to say, Painter? I was wondering what you thought. You you tend to be our you know. I feel like you you tend to speak the basketball language the most out of the three of us. 
I don't know what the answer is for Auburn's offense. It's not fun to watch. It's not actually like a horrific offense efficient, like in terms of efficiency. Um, the number 49, if I recall. In yeah. Kong I mean, like it's, it's not really good enough right now to make me feel like it'll give us a much of a chance to win the league. It's not yeah. really good enough at the moment to give me confidence that they're going to be able to get to the sweet 16 or certainly pass the sweet 16. I think winning two games in the tournament's one thing, but yeah. Uh, all that said, Bruce's teams, there have been some years where we've seen improvement at the right time. Don't know if that'll happen. Don't know what the remedy is. Uh, I think we're seeing the rotations tighten up slightly. Uh, I don't know what, I, I, what I'm getting at is like, do you, are you optimistic at all that the team can get to like around a top 30, top 35 clip yeah, in efficiency? Think... Cause I'm, I'm not right now. I think where they are right now, they might get a little better, but I don't see them getting like significantly better. For sure. And, and I mean, you have to consider, I mean, the defenses are about to ratchet up because almost everybody you're about to play from here on out is probably damn near a top 70 Ken Palm defense, you know, and a lot of those are going to be top 25, top 20 defenses um, that are the teams that you're really going to need to beat to win the league. So it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And no, I don't I don't have any <laughs> strong confidence that they're going to get to that 30, 35 range. If I remember correctly, last year we had about a top 10 defense kind of a top 20, top 25 offense. Um, and this year I think we're sitting more at about 50 and 10 split, which is, which is not too good. Um, but it does, it does kind of suck that the the freshmen have not been as ready as we've hoped for them to be, especially with how they looked in Israel. Um, granted competition levels and whatnot, but you still, you know, you see a guy's skill set when you, when they're on a basketball court. Um, and it's not fair to compare the freshmen and their con- contributions to Jabari and Walker, but at the same time, like that is what we saw with last year's offense. And I mean, that's what we're going to have to have them be somewhat to, to be a good team. Um, and, and chance has been disappointing. And obviously we've spoke very highly of chance and I still think he's one of the biggest keys to like truly unlocking what you can do offensively, you know, just given what's on the roster. Um, but I mean, even with the rotations, hopefully tightening up, Trey's assertion into this bona fide, you know, PG two spot from, in my opinion, I mean, I think he, he should take all of Zep's minutes at PG two. Zep keeps Zep off the ball, play, play him at the shooting guard, you know, kind of in that role. Um, And then, I mean, I think you do just have to start leaning on Jalen a lot more offensively, like getting Jalen and Broom more involved and just shoot for more efficiency as opposed to you can't be so guard centric when we can't shoot for shit. And so, you know, you're going to have these games where Wendell kind of can, can go off and he'll have a good half here, good half there, maybe a whole game, but like, it's not, you're not going to be able to rely on Wendell hitting six or seven threes a game or Katie hitting six threes all out of nowhere. Like you're just not going to be able to count on that. So, I mean, you have to, we have to turn that offense into something that is more efficient and that that's going to come from a stylistic change and something Bruce doesn't necessarily always do. And that's, that is slow it down a little bit, become more efficient, turn some of those turnovers and, you know, steals blocks into some quality buckets and looks as opposed to just another shot, because the efficiency is, it's going to kill him. The chance situation has been disappointing and we did talk a lot positively about him, but that was also pre orthoscopic arthros, whatever, however you say, orthoscopic knee surgery. Um, and Bruce has said I mean, several times, like he I had, think there's he only so the many. Player. There's only yeah, but I mean, there's only so long you can ride with that too, though. I mean, because yeah. I mean, yeah. That, yeah, that doesn't 
your knee doesn't make decisions. You know what I mean? So it's like stuff okay, like well, that. Well, hey, look, look what happened to Greg Oden. You know, he had orthoscopic <laughs> knee surgery. And look what happened to him. So, no, I, I mean, I think you do have to have some grace at like, you have to let him get back up to speed and you have to get him in there. And it's only going to, you know, reps are the only thing that's going to do that. But when he gets in there, you can't be losing possessions more than you're gaining right. them. And, and right get quality minutes out of that and then hopefully turn that into something. Because I do think there is still a world where chance gets up to speed, can become a solid player and, and play a very, you know, Swiss army knife offensive role where it might be at the one, it might be at the two, it might be at the three and could create a lot. And then hopefully that would improve some of that efficiency. And it's little things like that, that that they're going to have to start doing because this right here, what we're doing, I mean, yeah, we're going to, you're going to lose seven or eight conference games. I mean, there's just, there's just no doubt about it. Yeah. I, it, it is extremely encouraging to see what uh, what Trey Donaldson has been able to do when he's gotten minutes. The Washington game specifically was really, really, really encouraging. Um, he's been doing he's been doing very well. Does he want to play quarterback? He played quarterback in high school, right? Yeah, he did. And, okay. and he's man, his mentality like he's just so dialed in. Like when he comes yeah. in too, you can just yeah. tell like the moment's he's not too to big for him. Yeah. He's ready to go. He plays his ass off, and he a hundred percent buys into that effort defense will create everything else. And, and, and then even when he gets it offensively, you know, he's just former football player. He's built like it, you know, like a safety running back quarterback kind of dude where, you know, he can bully a lot of these point guards, you know, that might be a little more skilled, but Mm -hmm. he's got, he's got the size and athleticism on, on a lot of these dudes. He's going to go up against. Johan's going to have to come along too. Cause I mean, he's going to have to become more of a player than because right now they do just kind of utilize him as almost a, relegated stretch four, stand in the corner, right. see if he can just hit a shot here and there, create a thing or two. He's going to have to do a little more too. Like him, he, he's too athletic. He runs the floor too well. But then again, it's like if Jalen is ascending, you know what I mean? Like you're having mm-hmm. to create this where Jalen is the alpha, but we're so guard centric with the veterans and the leadership and stuff that's there. It's, it's tough, man. The coaches, they're, they're in for a, they're in for a haul down this conference stretch. Cause I mean, they're going to figure this shit out pretty quick. And I wonder if Jalen is is not fully unlocked yet. I think, you know, there I'm not saying he is going to be as good and end up, you know, end up with a career like this guy had, but I think there could be a Chuma type moment for Jalen where, like, where he be, he realizes like, hey, this is we're going to go this team is going to go as far as I'm able to take them. I think he has that potential. There's there's we saw this with Jabari, like there is a there sometimes can be a theme with these teams, these Auburn teams where the true alpha of the team doesn't realize that they are and need to be that player. You know what I mean? Like we, we, I think we kind of saw that yeah. with Jabari. Jabari's the number three, play, number three draft pick. And he, you know, he wasn't selfish enough. Um, that well, was, and it's, and it's really thought. hard. It's hard in this system. You know I mean? Yeah. It really is yeah. because like when you're a, a wing or a power forward or hell, even a center, like it's yeah. just, it's so hard because it's so guard centric and they have, yeah. you know, they're just everything is created off of that. So I mean, and um well something we got, that Drew Oldham just, recently, you know, we haven't really seen a whole lot of the high pick and rolls that we did like so much last year. Right, and Bruce right. Bruce kind of flamed that out early, which is when we peaked, you know, kind of in January, early February. So I wonder if they're kind of saving some of that for conference play as opposed to the other way yeah. around this year. I, I think there has to be a little bit of something to that because the usage rate is almost like 10 percentage points lower on pick and rolls this year so far from where it was last year, which that's a bit intriguing considering you can still run a lot of that same stuff when you have the exact same point guard and then the skill set of those dudes that would be rolling off of that. So, uh, but yeah, no, to, to your point with Jalen, I mean, he, 
he's not assertive enough at all. I mean, he's he's so productive. He's so smart. He almost always makes the right play. He doesn't turn it over a lot. You you have to put the ball in that a guy like that's hands way more often. He just, as the kids say, just doesn't seemingly have that dog in him. And he's got to – because he's like the nicest kid on the team. You know, I mean, everybody always says it. He's like the sweetest dude, super nice. But he he just – he's going to have to get a little mean streak and like yeah. I'm that fucking guy. Like he, he needs to get that – adapt that. Yeah, and I think some of – I think there's a lot – there's a good bit of that on this team. Like I think you see a lot of guys pass up shots. Like, you know, I think – they were talking about it during the Washington game. KD's got a pump fake issue. He's he's yeah. he's pump yeah. faking a ton and he's not shooting, which he's not a great shooter anyway. So like maybe he probably wouldn't make those, but I mean you gotta have some confidence about yourself. And he's but never he lacked and he's never he's never lacked confidence. So it's surprising to see him pass up so many shots and some of the other guys pass up so many shots. How about, how about Chris Moore, man? I, I I'd love to see him. Another uh, just unbelievably so productive guy when he just he gets the freaking minutes. Worker, man, he yeah. is a worker. He is, and, and him and him and Jalen, man, it's it's crazy. I mean, obviously Wendell's the engine that's got to keep the thing moving because it is so guard centric. Right. But like Moore and, and Jalen have really been the glue, man. I mean, they have because Broom has been he's been fairly consistent. He's like. Hell, he looked hella good against Florida with Castleton. I mean, I can't believe I yeah. didn't see that oh, yeah. coming at all because no, of the, no, no. the past few games. Because, um, I mean, there was a lot of that. talk that, you know, Broom was soft or he was not athletic enough and blah, blah, blah. And then Castleton comes in who absolutely worked Kessler last year and Broom locked his ass up. So there's still, there's still a little bit that we're learning going on. So. It was funny to me the response of Auburn fans that really didn't seem to care for Castleton because he got under no. my skin a little bit last year because they beat us in Gainesville. Um, God, I can't stand But I guy. guess I wasn't alone in that. Like It seemed like a lot of Auburn fans uh, had their attention focused on on him and Auburn. Oh, yeah, no. I, don't, I didn't like him at all. I don't – yeah, no, no. Get, what, what, uh, what did you call him on Twitter, Pablo? Brontosaurus, Brontosaurus neck ass bitch. <laughs> that's so that's so mean. Uh, no, yeah, I don't like him. Don't like him. So I would, yeah, I was gonna say, but like I, the Chris Moore and Jalen Williams, that is such a testament to the develop, like what can happen to a basketball right. player if they stay in in, in at in the, in this Auburn program for four years. Like those guys have been here forever. Um, and like Dylan Cardwell, another one. Like I think it's awesome, yeah. and it, it's no, it it's, is. You don't see that a lot in college basketball, so it's cool to see those guys like getting theirs uh, at this point in their careers when they've, you know, they've not only sat and waited, but they've cycled through guys like Jabari, guys like uh, Chuma, Isaac Okoro, all these guys. Like they've sat Sharif, like all you know. It's it's awesome to see these guys who 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 waited and stayed at Auburn, and now they're they're getting um, they're they're getting their opportunities. Um, you know, it's, it's, it has probably has a little bit to do with these, this batch of newcomers not doing as well. Um, but I'm happy to see those guys, right. uh, those guys thriving after so long. And I mean, like, um, you know, we haven't even mentioned him, which is kind of parts of par for the course, I guess at this point, but Flynn, like it's the wing is such an absence in this offense and it's, it's glaring every, every single week that, that they play. Like there's no creation going on. There's nothing offensively that they're giving you on the wing. Absolutely nothing. So, I mean, it's KD getting in there more in the transition, but he's not really doing it near as much in the half court, especially like you said, he's he's clearly lacking confidence in shooting. He can't take a shot from outside without pump faking at least once. He's not just catching and shooting. 
Um, but I mean, Flan's only points like two or three games in a row have been like breakaway dunks, and that's it. Like he's not giving yeah. you anything offensively, and you yeah. can't. And you he's can't be six six on the wing, and you play all those minutes, and you're not. Yeah, you're not getting any points. You turn it over. He's a great defender. He rebounds really well. I think he still is a net positive in in, in the grand scheme of like what this team wants to be and what it wants to do. But man, you've got to start doing something. And he, speaking of confidence, he plays so well when he just looks like he knows what he wants to do next. But he, you can tell in real time, he is second guessing his next move every time he touches the ball. Yeah, yeah. It's like a yeah. it's like a wing version of Austin Wiley out there. It's like every time he's got it, it's like he makes one move and it's like, okay, now he's thinking again. What do I need to do oh, next? God. Instead of just, just doing it. Just go to the just, Austin Wiley. Just go to the basket, man. You don't have to dribble. You don't have to put the ball right. on the ground. Like Flynn is so big, so athletic, so strong, so fast. Like just commit to something and do it. Like it's that's it's really that simple when it comes to basketball. Like you yeah. can be that guy. You we like seen you said, it. You do it. His his only points right now are coming on breakaway dunks. You can see the athleticism when he's yeah getting above the rim like he's that. He's a smart player. It, he really is yeah. a smart player. I mean, you you don't get those opportunities without being smart, seeing things develop, seeing things and taking all the you know, blah, blah, blah. So like there's, there's a lot to that, but, and that, I mean, granted, they don't really run a lot through him and they don't run a lot for him. So that's another thing. They got to get a little bit more creative in these sets. Running more sets would be beneficial to probably everybody involved. And you got to get some of that focus in some other places, at least yeah. some percentage of the time yeah. or a purely efficiency standpoint. I, maybe this speaks of me, but I hadn't considered maybe other people are on this like you are. Auburn's sort of holding back some of what it thinks it's good at and maybe doesn't have to use against opponents that aren't going to be as talented. Now, I don't know how much pick and roll we saw in that Florida game, for instance, but that wasn't, you know. They did do I did I did pay attention. They did do a little bit of it in the second half, which that kind of was an indicator to me that, yeah, they've been sitting on it. Well, it's not like you care, Benner. You just want to go to the Bulls games. Well, <laughs> make sure the Bulls beat the Nets or whatever. <laughs> How are the Bulls this year? Are they doing? Are they, doing uh, yeah. they still got uh, Demar Derozan, right? Is that, is that him? He's a guy. Yeah, yep, yeah they got yeah. him. He's a guy. Yeah, I know about. I, I'm not a big NBA guy. I don't know. I don't know ball when it comes to the NBA. The Bulls have been very disappointing this year. Oh, I hate that for those guys. They were talking about blowing the team up. Um, and and rumors and stuff about a week ago. Oh, oh no! Who is that? Oh, okay. Who do they have? Is that like? Do they have apparently uh, Zach Levine, Demar? That combination isn't working out too well. Oh boy! I didn't. Any like more that. thoughts I, on that, Dave? I didn't like the look I just got of myself on the Zoom. That was yeah. He's I gotta I gotta shed some of this. I gotta shed some of this holiday weight. <laughs> was it a good? Was it good in that regard for everyone? Good, good holidays for sure. Like yeah, food wise, oh, good yeah. Christmas. Did a couple light festivities, you know. Did the thing, shot some fireworks yesterday with my little helper. That was hilarious. Almost died. And how are we feeling about the Bills? Oh, they could absolutely win a Super Bowl. I do think that's clear. Right. Um, that's about as good as you can feel. So perfect. However, there uh, there's some up and down play. Uh, offensively, the quarterback's just been, you know, Allen's a little bit sporadic at times. And then the, I think the secondary, like, actually has some issues. And without Von Miller as well, you know, uh, it's a team capable of winning a Super Bowl. Uh, the AFC is just a gauntlet this year. The, the Bengals are the playing Monday well. The Chiefs are good. Yes, yeah, yeah, so tomorrow. First, yes, yeah, kind of feels like the first good Monday night football game we've had in a while. 
Good day. At least one that I'm like really looking forward to, although probably helps my team's playing in it. Rose Bowl tomorrow as well. Yeah. uh, We didn't talk at all about TCU. I guess we can wrap up on this. Ferg, by the time you're listening to this, has put out a newsletter that I thought was interesting, and it involves TCU among some other teams that had success with first-year coaches. But I saw some comparisons to Auburn's 2013 season on the timeline. Uh, both you know TCU and Auburn have had incredible turnarounds. Yep. Um, I don't think many people thought that Sonny Dykes was that sexy of a hire. Obviously, it is going pretty well right now. Yeah, I mean, expectations for Hugh – First year national championship bid? No, I well, first of all, shout out to I want to shout out to uh TCU social media. Their football so social good. media team is elite. Uh it makes they make like I would love so to show one of those hours. I would show I would love to show one of those like hypnotoid videos to my dad and see what he thinks. Like those things are so they make no sense. Like they're the most like yeah, yeah. I guess you I guess you would call them like Gen Z humor. Uh maybe I just dated myself, but uh they're they're hilarious um i love matt i think max duggan should have won the heisman i think it's a little bit i think it's a little bit insane that he didn't um to me it's funny that the four heisman finalists were three quarterbacks that went to the playoff and one that didn't and the one that didn't (laughs) won um i think max duggan is a freaking dog i don't think they're going to beat georgia which sucks um but i love the the tcu they've just been fun to watch like they were they were really really fun to watch this year and like that you know they so many close of, games. Yeah, man. they were never out of a game. Like every game of theirs was fun. Um, so yeah, it was it was really cool to to see them. And uh shout out, shout out Sonny Dyke, shout out the hypno toad. The toad. Yeah, their their social media team is is elite. elite. I love it. It's awesome. Been following along with that for quite a while. They've been doing it weeks and weeks and weeks, and it's so awesome to see. And I would love to see our super formal, fucking outdated football account jump on board with something like that Um, because that would be fun and it engages a lot of people. It's great for the brand. It looks good for exposure. You get more eyeballs on it and it's just better all the way around, but no, let's just keep putting out these outdated media releases and graphics. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. (laughs) Here's the game time. Dude, Brian Harson's Instagram is literally just 365 days worth of happy birthday graphics to foot to players on the team. It's awesome. So and apparently, apparently Harson really did micromanage a lot of that stuff as well. Um, so hopefully that that won't be happening under this that's, new staff and they'll kind that's of that's an amazing thing to be super concerned about. Which in hindsight, that makes posting. total sense, right? Like it makes total yeah. sense. I would love to see like a I would love to see like a Brian Harson yellow legal pad of like priorities for a day. I know, man. Like I feel like I feel like call recruits was probably like number nineteen, and like it's one thing you know when you're we'll get off of this and get back to the playoff talk in a second, <laughs> but it's one thing to like do the things that you do, come out and and announce to the world that you spend like five hours a week like on this <laughs> podcast, and, and then, I think an underappreciated element, and then after oh all, and you do it every week, and then yes. after this you're like I haven't met anybody recruiting, yeah. I'm hanging out with I'm hanging out with Kess. Like you could do maybe both of those things, but you. It is yeah, it is very funny and not the other. Although it'll be awesome if he's like a pioneer and like coaches all start having their own podcasts. In oh, I could totally see it being a thing. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if TCU somehow wins a national championship, there's going to be some tweet like 
this proves that like three stars with hearts mm, and yeah. all that shit can be five stars. And Brian Hart's gonna be like, retweet, retweet. Like he's gonna just you know, have oh, yeah. retweeting that dude. He's gonna he's gonna lose it. They're not going to win, but like that that is a lot of talk. Getting back in the TCU thing, like they're not in the blue yeah. chip ratio. They don't have the recruits, right. but like they're just you know. And then it's like they just developed him, and it's like the guy's in his first year. I mean, I gotta give a lot of credit to Gary Patterson. But that's another thing we that I haven't really considered. We don't need them to win. Well, we do need him to win, first of all. <laughs> oh, yeah. But the only oh, yeah. the only thing that we we set the bar right now for the blue chip ratio that we set the floor anyway for the blue chip ratio. So if they lose, then they will they will lower that floor. Yeah. Dude, I was I was the loudest person at the New Year's party I attended rooting for Ohio State. Like I you would have thought I was born in Columbus. Yeah, it got to once Michigan got knocked out, it was like there's no result that is gonna be cool for me. Because like, oh, really? it, it all just sucks. Well, Ohio State fans are notoriously kind of annoying. Well, it and, is funny. And so, so, yeah, so sorry. Should have probably like my mom is a big Michigan fan. She's from Michigan, mm-hmm. so that's always kind of been like a secondary team for me growing up. Uh-uh. So I, I've grown up like naturally hating Ohio State, and so then it just so once Michigan got knocked out, it was just this world of like nothing. Nothing's really going to be that cool to me now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it goes without saying, like TCU is an anomaly. Um, but we need TCU an to win for sure. Now. Uh, yeah, they. I mean, it would be sick, and I, I don't. I doubt it, right? But like, it, can they? Is get... it the biggest spread in a national championship game, like maybe oh, yeah. ever? Mm-hmm. What uh, is it right since, now? Thirteen since, and a half is what I saw. It's the biggest one since Tennessee, Nebraska, in nineteen ninety eight. Nebraska was a fourteen and a half or fourteen and a half point favor or something like that. Jeez. Which is so funny to think about. Yeah, over Nebraska. yeah, Nebraska is that big of a favor over Tennessee? That's crazy. Well, they were coming off the like they off the off Natty. The Manning, well, they were coming off the Peyton Manning year too. Like they didn't have Peyton Manning anymore. Um, True. Yeah, you would have thought I was was born in Columbus for for three quarters. I was like, we have we have approached it. We are here. We can finally stop pretending that Stetson Bennett matters in the landscape of college football because he looks like shit. And then and fourth then quarter, he, he just goes freaking Tom Brady, dude. 190 yards in the fourth quarter. Unbelievable. I was so mad. Well, I think and he's then- a great example of how you can just get worn out of anything. Like, he yeah. was a really fun story. And For then sure. as a lot of things go, yeah. you hear about it enough and it just kind of becomes tiresome. But yeah, like, I, what, uh, like last it? year, I was all for him having his moment and playing pretty well in the national title. And now it's kind of like, all right, I'd like to see oh. them tumble. No, 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 no. We weren't for Georgia having their moment. Fuck that. Well, not Georgia, not but Georgia. You know, I, I yeah, could, I'm I, it was easy enough to root yes. for. Yes, he as, seems like a, a, a short king. Yes, there we are. He seems there like a good are. dude. He seems like a good dude. If he played for anybody else, sure. Representation matters, and Painter saw himself out there. That's right. <laughs> also, I'm surprised that he went away from the fade. You know, he had that nice fade at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and now he's back, back to, to the, the curly the, locks. Uh huh. I was. I talked to this, somebody about this the other day. What? What would have happened to Stetson Bennett if, like, Jamie Newman didn't – you remember the guy – uh, Yeah, the quarterback. Yeah, that like, that could start. happen. Did y'all see where JT Daniels is now? Yes. What a he's weird – He's at Rice. Strange career. I thought, so, I thought DJ Ugalele fell from, fell from the heavens. Yeah, dude, man, he's, JT he's going to start UCLA. JT USC to Georgia school. to West Virginia to Rice. Yep, to senior year of high school, too. Reclassified. Crazy. As junior in high school. Insane. 
Notre Dame wanted that guy real. That's when I was at Notre Dame. Wanted him real bad. He was, dude. He yeah. was sick. A lot of he people was, did. Yeah, he, he was, was really dirty, good. and I think he's still a good player. It's just like he's had he's had some tough breaks injury wise, and like he got roster walked. composition wise too. I mean, that's that's really yeah. a thing that's like yeah. circumstances kind of not not been in his favor. Yeah. Who? Uh, I was trying to think of the quarterback that was at Georgia before when they played in the national championship. Uh, Wrong. Jake Fromm. Jake yeah. Fromm, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he got rid of uh, he stepped in and got rid of um. Oh, dude, what's that guy? He was he ended up going to Washington. He plays for the he played for the Colts. Jacob Eason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jacob Eason. Mm-hmm. So it's just like the, the the Georgia quarterback like sliding glass door situation is is hilarious to think about. Yeah, it like, is. What crazy. would have like what would have happened if Stetson Bennett or Jamie Newman was like, no, okay, I'll come. Well, I'm, and of I'm, course, what I'll will happen it. is eventually they will get the five star quarterback to match the Ooh, rest of the out. roster yeah. of five stars. Right. But it's like it doesn't even matter. Yep. Like, no, that just yeah, it's just a testament. This is how fucking good they are everywhere else. And Adam, already, granted, he's he's pretty good. So I mean, he, for as much as we love to on the internet make fun of him, rag him, like he's a very. I mean, granted, his circumstances and what he's playing in is amazing, and you can't ask yeah. for any better. But like, he is pretty he's damn a talented good. College he's a talented college Everything's quarterback. Everything's sort of viewed in the draw, dra- like the. It's all. Yeah, kind the of, next like, level analysis. Yeah, now we focus so much on is he a good prospect at the next level? And sometimes it's, it's like, well, there are just some guys that are much better college players than yeah. they will ever be pro players. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's a lot like those, you know, he's a lot like those Alabama quarterbacks of of old, like McCarron and McElroy and yeah. uh the other white dudes with bangs, you know, they were all basically yeah. the same they were basically all the same person, but they worked because they have freaking everything five star receivers, them. running backs, and linemen. So like just be an accurate passer. Good, make the dude. plays expected I mean, of you. Make a pass yeah. here and there. Don't turn the ball over. Good for Stetson Bennett. But, but you can open it up with him. I mean, he's got the talent that you obviously showed that last night. That you know they haven't. You know, it took two damn years to get to the point where we had to find out. Oh well, can Stetson throw him out of a hole? And he did. So credit to him. Fuck Is Georgia, feeling but he did. cautiously optimistic about a wide receiver group that has given us next to nothing over the last couple of seasons. No. You talking about us? Yeah, yeah. I wondered if if no, like, I, I think I'm I'm excited about the wide receiver group. I really am because I think in the new offense, I'm again because so many of these things are relative to what the hell we just watched, right? So when with Philip Montgomery and Freeze, and assuming that we have a quarterback situation that's improved from what you know forty something percent passer, with Camden Brown being in a weight room in college for a year, like, holy shit, that's going to be amazing. VAR coming back, like Malcolm Johnson, those kind of guys, like Amari Kelly. Like, there's some talented dudes on that roster that just really didn't get to showcase much of their talent. So it's going to be cool to see them in offense that is opened up, hopefully in a new scheme that can feed some of that that will be fun to watch, get some downfield passing involved, get the ball in their hands. Like, there's there's some guys over there that can make some noise. So, yeah, I, I am. I'm I'm excited for it. Yeah. Let's just grab somebody that can throw to him. <laughs> that would help. But I did, it's like I said earlier, like I, I, Robbie throws a nice deep ball. But it's like, some, I mean, you sometimes look at, you look at Gus's offense and I mean, it's going to be probably some version of that anyway. Like you look at Gus's offense in 2013 with Nick Marshall, like he wasn't the greatest passer, but like you got to see Sammy Coates, you know, showcase his talent. Right. Like, I mean, right. you got to see Ricardo Lewis, like showcase what he could do because of his skill set and how they built the offense. So I, I think we will have more of that. That's like a competent coaching staff getting the most of the guys 
that they do have. Dude, I'll tell you this. You want Hughes, you know, Hughes doing the thing where you, you get all the you, you you build a fence around yourself with all these former Auburn players. You want to lock me in? You want me to be the biggest Hugh Freeze fan in the world? You go hire Nick Marshall to be the quarterback's coach, and I will <laughs> I will ride I will ride for Hugh Freeze through the town square. <laughs> the day the dude, the day Nick Marshall begets his coaching job at Auburn, I will move back to Auburn and try to be his neighbor. We will <laughs> try to be like, his neighbor. I love that man so much. You're gonna turn into Trent Dilfer. <laughs> Fan oh, Trent Dilfer. Yeah, Trent Dilfer. Leave me alone. Leave me alone, Trent. <laughs>